You're listening to episode 129 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is celebrating past vacations based on Numbers chapter 9. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I have a background in theology and a love for travel. Having visited nine different countries and served in five congregations, I wanted to create an environment that discusses and encourages the overlap of my two favorite things, the Lord and travel. And if you have a passion for these things, or wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our daily adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is celebrating past trips based on Numbers chapter 9. When I think of annual festivities, annual celebrations, some of the first things that come to mind are birthdays, Christmas, Thanksgiving here in the United States, Easter, and other annual holidays that we get time off at work. But in this episode, we're going to be reading from Numbers chapter 9, and rather than just celebrating that someone got another year older or that another holiday came and went, the Lord is instructing them to celebrate a past trip. Now, if I asked you to celebrate a past trip, my guess is how you would celebrate is you'd either retell stories, share pictures and memories from that trip, gather again with the people who first ventured out on that trip, or you'd go back to that place and reminisce about good times and make some new memories too. But the way that the Lord instructs these individuals to go back and revisit and remember this trip is a little different than how I think you and I might do that. So so let's go ahead and take a look at Numbers chapter 9 verses 1 through 14. Just going to throw in a little sidebar here. Saying Numbers chapter 9 is so confusing, but uh, we're looking at the Passover being celebrated. And this is just a quick recap of what the Passover was in the last episode, we talked about how Moses led the people out of Egypt. But to get to the point that Pharaoh actually said, Israelites, you can leave Egypt, God went through 10 different plagues dismissing at least 10 of the idol gods of the Egyptians, um, going so far as to kill firstborn sons. And the way that the Lord passed over certain homes and didn't kill the firstborn was there was a feast, and part of it required that they prepare unleavened bread, bread without yeast, so that they'd be ready to leave Egypt in a hurry. They would have food for the road. But the other part of it was that they had to kill a lamb and paint its blood on their doorway. So in the middle of the night, while they were all sleeping, the Lord passed over Egypt, and any house that had blood on its doorframe, the Lord passed over. But any house that did not, the firstborn son died. 
which meant that there was a lot of weeping and tears in Egypt as the Israelites departed. And then Pharaoh's heart turned from, okay, go away, I don't want anything to do with you, to I'm really mad at you because you killed my firstborn son. And he pursues them, and they go through the Red Sea, and then the waters crash down on the Egyptians, and the Israelites are truly finally free. And they're headed for the promised land. They're so excited after 430 years. But as we proceed on, we know that they get afraid of the giants that live there. They doubt God's power. And in so doing, they'll end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. And right now it's been a year. And the Lord asks them to remember the Passover, to celebrate the fact that they finally got to go on a trip and leave Egypt. And if you're wondering what this celebration was meant to look like at twilight, so right as dusk, on the first month of the year, on the 14th day. So I know that... I don't know exactly. I think there used to be like 10 months in a year. Now there's 12. But let's just imagine it as though our calendars align. And so this would be January 14th of the new year. At twilight, they're supposed to celebrate the Passover. And they're supposed to eat the lamb with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. They're not to break a bone in the lamb's body, which seems like a bit of a daunting task when, I don't know, when I do Thanksgiving and, like, someone just cuts into a turkey, we don't really know where the bones are at. So it's not uncommon for someone to cut it somehow and break something, but they're not supposed to break any bones in the lamb's body. However... Americans are used to, you know, we go to the deli and it's all cut and prepared for us and, you know, we don't have to deal with the animal, whereas probably back in this time period they would have been much more familiar with the innards of the animal and probably could have more easily avoided breaking a limb. And there was offerings and there was celebration and oftentimes there was retelling of the story of how they made it out of Egypt. Now, some people came forward and they said, we're considered unclean in the eyes of the Lord. We've touched a dead body recently, whatever, so we can't be around others and therefore celebrate the Passover. And the Lord said, okay, that's all right. So in the second month on the 14th day, you get to celebrate the Passover. So that was kind of a nice way to include everyone in this festivities. Um, the other people that might not be able to celebrate the Passover was anyone traveling on a long journey, which, have you ever been traveling over the holidays, over Easter, over Christmas? The Lord says, you're not exempt from celebrating the Passover. You also are to celebrate in the second month on the 14th day. So come back and prepare, but I, you have time to finish your long journey. And the Lord invites sojourners, foreigners, slaves to all celebrate with them, but they have to follow the exact same customs as the Israelites and practice the Passover in the same way. Now, we know that this becomes a huge part of their tradition, and it goes on for generations. It goes past the time that they make it to the promised land. It goes until Jesus 
and we know of it as the Last Supper. They were celebrating the Passover. So this becomes an integral part of Jewish tradition, and even in some Christian circles today, people still practice the Passover. Usually they have a big meal of sorts, and they go over and they explain, have to explain to us what each of the different food elements represent, what they mean. It's not necessarily the most filling meal, depending on how your church celebrates it, but it's kind of one of those traditions, and then it leads up ultimately to Easter. But a lot of Christian circles don't celebrate it anymore because it's been replaced with Easter. And the reason for that is the Passover was a representation of what was to come. For instance, they are eating the lamb. It is the sacrifice that allowed their firstborn sons not to die. And if we went back to Exodus, like in chapter 5, we read about Israel being God's firstborn son and how if Pharaoh didn't let Israel go, God would kill Pharaoh's firstborn son in exchange for Israel. So with that in mind, what we see here is Jesus is the lamb. He is the sacrifice. He is the body and the bread, the blood and the wine which they would have also consumed during the Passover. We also see that it is because of his sacrifice that we, Israel, those that believe in Jesus, get to go to heaven. We are accepted as God's children. We are the new firstborn in a time past the Israelites, a time when, now that Christ has died for our sins and risen again, There is a new standard. The old covenant is no longer in effect. There is a new covenant, and that is for all who believe there is only one way to heaven, and that is through faith in Jesus. So he is the new sacrifice. He is the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sins. And so when you celebrate Easter, you are in fact celebrating this annual tradition that Jesus died and rose again 2,000 years ago, but we still practice it annually. It's a something that we talk about with our families. It's a tradition that passed on generation after generation, just like the Israelites who celebrated the Passover. And even though generations later, when Jesus's friends were walking the earth, they may have never ever seen Egypt. They definitely had no idea what it was like to be the slaves in Egypt. They don't know how truly difficult it was. And they don't know truly what wandering in the wilderness was like. And to finally see the promised land, they don't know other than the stories that have been passed down. It's really important to God. So important that he says to the person who's touched a dead body or has traveled super far, you still have the opportunity to celebrate a month later and celebrate the Passover a month later because this is so important. I don't want you to forget to remember where you've come from, who I am, the Lord, who the Lord is, and that I have taken care of you and I continue to. It's that important. And the same is said of Easter and of Christmas. And I know there's some of us who are so tempted to be Easter and Christmas Christians who only go to church twice a year because those are the traditions where we hear and rehear the story. 
But the Lord has worship for us every single week. Jesus went to church. It was so important. And Jesus set that precedent for us. The only story we hear of Jesus in his youth is him going to church. As parents, that's huge. This is your one lesson on how to parent. How to parent Jesus and how we should parent. We should parent by being in church. By being in God's house. Not just on those two big holidays. Because the rest of the year, there were other festivals. There were other celebrations other than just Passover. There was this call to remember. And as travelers, I'm calling you to remember some other things too. Remember, obviously, Easter and Christmas. Remember to attend church and to worship while traveling. But I want you to also remember your past trips. And not just, ooh, there were these really cool destinations. And ooh, let's just look at these fun photos. But how about, let's remember what God did on that trip. If I remember my trip to Europe, my solo trip, one of the first things I remember is how I got there without international cell service and how God got me safely to my Airbnb. God got me to more than one place with 1% left of my cell phone battery and uncertain as to what lay ahead, but he got me there. Travel is an act of trust. It is truly uncomfortable. It's putting ourselves out there in a way that can be daunting. And if we annually stop to remember how God shows up, what those stories were, and we retell them, we tell them to future generations, will they necessarily be talking about this 2,000 years from now or more? Probably not. But what they will remember is that God spoke through your life, that you set a precedent for them, that your relationship with God is something that they can seek after too, that they can also be seeing him in their adventures and in their journeys. And that is what really God has put on my heart, that travel in our world is so modern, so simplified, that we forget who's truly in charge. We forget to worship and praise him. We forget that that travel is a worship, that travel is something that we should annually remember because what we, the scripture says in Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Our world and Satan just love to think about the negative things. And honestly, it might feel like you're just blowing things out of proportion when you just get so excited that you got a parking spot at your grocery store and it and you didn't have to walk so far. It might seem crazy to celebrate it that you made it somewhere with 1% left of your battery. It might seem crazy to celebrate that you got that last spot on the airplane. It might seem crazy to just be exuberantly joyful and praising and thinking about and remembering 
those little things in life. But the Lord says that's what our minds are meant to focus on. So I encourage you to follow in those footsteps and annually, regularly remember your adventures, just like the Israelites did when they reflected on the Passover. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for these Christian travelers. Thank you for your mission that you have called us to travel differently, to travel in a way that exalts you and that remembers it year after year after year, that recalls how you show up time and time again. Because when our mind is focused on you instead of everything that we think is going wrong in this world, we have a hope, we have a joy, we have something greater to live for. And please help us as we recall these things to tell others, to give them joy and hope and excitement as well. And for them to think of travel in a new and exciting way. I guess, Lord, it's not really new because you've been in travel forever and for always. But to them, it might just be a new perspective. It might just be a new perspective that they really need. All this we ask in your precious name. Amen. Well, Christian travelers, I'm so glad that you tuned in today. I have one more thought and question, but before I do, I want to point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources. Ultimately, we're working on some really cool upcoming trips, and we'd love for you to be a part of them. But if you can't afford those trips, we also have other resources like a retreat kit, an opportunity for you to take your friends on adventures and share the Bible with them. If you have a ministry group at church that wants to go on a trip and is looking for devotionals and games and other activities, this works around any travel or trip itiner- travel or retreat itinerary. Additionally, we have great little devotionals for solo travelers. If you are just doing your own DIY trip but want to be reflecting on God and be able to recall how he showed up at the end of your trip, We also have this really cool journal that helps you reflect on how the Lord is showing up in your travels, and it's a great tool to look back after year and year and year again so that you can continue to remember how God is always present. So my final thought and question is this. Our world has modernized some of the big biblical holidays, Christmas, Easter, They've turned them into very salesy things. But as a Christian, you know that those things have a deeper meaning and purpose. And the way that you celebrate them informs other people so much about who Christ is. So is there an opportunity as we approach this Christmas season or later on if you listen to this podcast for Easter. Is there a way that you can celebrate those holidays like the Israelites did for the Passover in a way that recalls the story in a new and exciting, that recalls the story 
and recalls God's blessings and promises being fulfilled. And is there a way you can do that with your other adventures too? I encourage you to ponder this question, think it over, and then go ahead and share it with a friend. In fact, invite them to whatever celebration you're going to have. And I would love to hear about it too. You can always shoot me a message at christiantravelersnetwork at gmail.com. So until next time, safe travels and God bless.